Hello, I'm Katie Sewell. I live in Seattle. My co-host, Tiffany Parks, lives in Rome, Italy. Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. Next week on our holiday episode, we will be thanking those of you who recently donated for Giving Tuesday, or as a new member at Patreon, or just to give back to your loyal hosts. A holiday thank you gift. We will be saying your names next week, so please tune in to listen and thank you so much. If you love the show, please send in your financial gift today. Just like you buy a movie online or pay for public radio, pay for the podcasts that you love as well. You can find us on patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast or donate through PayPal at thebittersweetlife.net. There are links in the show notes. I recently saw a tweet that said something along the lines of, this is what it means when you spend your money in small business. And it quoted a small business owner who had just received an order for $50 with a crying emoji that said, this will pay for half my groceries this week. You don't get that in major corporations. Support the small things that you love. Now, on with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. And today, Tiffany and I present something very different from what we usually do, but I really hope you enjoy it. Sometimes during the holiday season, it's nice to both observe rituals and have things be a little different, like the lights on people's homes or what we listen to. So, as you know, or if you're a new listener, you should know, I'm a longtime radio creator who got my start at NPR in Seattle back in 2003. Eventually, I interned with Radiolab and toured with Prairie Home Companion and ran a daily two-hour morning show for almost a decade. But before all that, I had a love of radio. Talk radio, but also radio drama. In the 1930s through the 1950s, radio was a very common aspect of daily life in the United States and abroad with deployed soldiers during World War II. And actors spent much of the time performing radio plays live. It was the golden age of radio, performed with full orchestras and sound effects happening in real time, actors with scripts in their hands, and sometimes a live studio audience. If you can imagine how deafening it would be to be a live studio audience sitting on a stage with a full orchestra. A real experience. But because everything was live back then, not much of it was recorded while it was actually happening. It was only recorded if it was sent overseas to the troops. So that meant if an episode was particularly popular, the listening audience would write in letters begging the station that aired it to let them hear that performance again. And if the asking was loud enough, the cast would return and the whole thing would happen again. One of my favorite radio plays during the Golden Age was on a program called Suspense. The episode was Sorry, Wrong Number, performed by one of the best radio actors, in my personal opinion, Agnes Moorhead. The play was so popular that Agnes returned to perform it live on the air seven times. So, if it isn't obvious yet from this strange turn we've gone into the golden age of radio, I got into radio because I loved radio drama. 
because I loved what the people in the Golden Age were doing. Particularly the shows that would have played later on in the evening. The suspense shows. The scary shows. The ones my grandmother said she couldn't bear to listen to. It is a thing worth looking back on if you've never listened to anything from the Golden Age of Radio. And it's a thing worth loving. This radio age. This old time. This beginning time. But I didn't know a lot of other teens and 20-somethings who shared the same passion when I was deep into this era. Except for one. And that was my friend Matt Warner. Matt and I, just like Tiffany and me, met in the sixth grade. But really in college and shortly after graduating college, that's when we started talking about radio. We'd share shows that we loved on cassette tape, and we'd dream of making our own suspense radio show. And we did. Just once. It was only one episode. The show was called The Corridor, which is still a great suspense title, I would argue. And eventually that show found its way into the hand of a few middle school girls who spread it around every sleepover they could find, which we found very flattering. Well, obviously, I headed toward NPR, and Matt headed toward making movies. But he never stopped writing radio stories in the old-time radio drama style. And a lot of us have had to sort out what creative things we can do to pass the time during COVID. And Matt built a sound studio in his garage, and recorded his own original radio play called After Midnight. It's complete with live actors, homemade sound effects, and today it's our pleasure to present After Midnight. Just like I loved is a suspense play, and I encourage you to try to guess who the mysterious X is along the way. So thank you, Matt, for letting us share your COVID audio creation. And sometimes a little theater of the mind is in order. So, I hope you enjoy it. Extra, extra, read all about it. Millionaire William Higby found dead in his penthouse apartment. Here, boy. Here you are, mister. What does it say? His safe was robbed of over half a million in jewels. Upon inspection of the body, a piece of paper was pinned to Higby with a giant black X on it, meaning unknown at this time. Extra, extra, get your paper. Attached to the rope used to strangle the conductor, a piece of paper with a giant black X was discovered. He struck again. Get your paper!
Conova, my office. Right away, sir. Close the door behind you. Yes, Commissioner? Did you or the boys dig up any new clues from the opera crime scene? Sorry to report. We found nothing new, sir. Ugh, this makes no sense. Not a trace or a sign of how he's getting to his victims. How is he doing it? And what's the connection with the seven victims? Has me stumped. I'm sorry, Commissioner. I wish I had answers. Well, we need answers, and soon. I just got off the phone with the mayor's office a moment ago. He wants results, and fast. Get back out there and keep searching until you find something. Yes, sir. Close the door on your way out. Yes, sir. There must be something we missed. There must be. Maybe in these crime photos. Let me see here. Oh. Commissioner Coleman. Hello, Commissioner Coleman. Good evening, Commissioner. Oh, good evening. And who am I speaking with? It would appear that due to my recent activities, your local paper's chosen not to give me a name, but rather refer to me by my sign. X? Yes. Why, you dirty... Now, now, let's forego the pleasantries, Commissioner, and please do not even attempt to have this call traced. I will be off the line well before you have the chance. What the devil do you want? I wanted to reach out to you and show some compassion, I suppose. All the stories in the paper about how I keep on making you all look like fools. I figured an apology was in order. So you decided to call me and apologize for all the crimes you've been committing? I tell you what, you come down here to the precinct and turn yourself in like a good fellow and we'll forget all about it. What do you say? I'd say you'd be fooling yourself more than I have been doing for you, Commissioner. Why would I ever want to turn myself in? when my work has only just begun. You listen here. We're gonna find you X or whatever your name is. Mark my words. If it costs me my career, I will not stop until you're in handcuffs and behind bars. Good, Commissioner. I was becoming bored with the attempts your precinct has made to catch me. What exactly it is, I do not know. However, I am a reasonable man, so I've decided to give you an opportunity to catch me. Oh, how so? I'm going to tell you who will die next, Commissioner. You're joking. You expect me to believe that you're going to give me the name of your next victim? You mean names, Commissioner. What? Yes. This next crime will be the death to several. All relatively powerful people in the community. People you, Commissioner, know and have possibly met. Some may even be friends of yours, but that I couldn't say for sure. You inhuman monster. If you are going to continue to insult me, Commissioner, I don't have to continue with the favor of telling you who I'm going to kill. You can just sit there at your desk wondering, waiting, waiting for the news that many people were once again killed under your watch. Would you want that, or shall I continue? Okay. Okay. I will play your game by your rules. A wise decision. How many people? Four. All men, I presume? I imagine you would, however, you'd be quite wrong. But why? Why do this? Because... I can. And when will this monstrosity take place? Tonight. Tonight? Yes. I figured it may even the chances with the information I'm sharing if I limited your time. All four will be dead tonight, shortly after midnight. My god. 
Okay. Where? Unfortunately, Commissioner, I'm not going to tell you everything. That would be too easy. I'm afraid you will have to do a bit of detective work to keep it fair. I will tell you, though, the location is in the city and within a ten-mile radius of your precinct. And do I dare ask for the names? Why, of course. I told you from the beginning I would tell you who they were. You may want to grab a pen, Commissioner. Okay. Who are they? District Attorney Morris, Senator Duncan, Congressman Olson, and Judge Thompson. You seem speechless, Commissioner. I can only imagine that is because you are looking at the names and are in shock. Or perhaps you're trying to quietly flag an officer over to show them the list in hopes that your officers can rush to their homes before they leave. So what if I am? Nothing. Nothing at all other than it will do you no good. They have all been instructed to drive alone and in secrecy for reasons they will want to keep private. Besides, do you think I'd give you such an easy chance if they weren't already here? What? Everyone is already there? Not everyone is here yet, but yes, Commissioner. I am calling from a private line on the floor above them. They have no idea that death stands over them as we speak. You arrogant, sadistic. I would love to stay and chat more, but I cannot leave my guests waiting. Besides, you have your work cut out for you, and you only have six hours before midnight. Goodbye, Commissioner. And good luck. <laughs> Wait, uh, don't don't go. I have a few more questions for you. H Hello. Hello. Grova, everyone, get in here right now. Do you hear me? We have to move fast. evening. Uh, yes, I received this invitation, and... You are expected, Mr. Morris. Yes, I am Clint Morris. Uh, how did you know? Why, from your picture in the papers. It's quite easy to recognize our city's very own district attorney. Oh, I, I see. Uh, please, do come in. Thank you. May I take your hat and coat? Uh, yes, thank you. Do you wish to hold on to your bag, or would you like me to put it with your things? Uh, for the time being, I will hold on to it, if that's all right. As you wish. Right this way. What do they call you? I beg your pardon. My name is Jameson, sir. This is an amazing home, Jameson. How long have you worked here? Not long. You see, sir, this is not my normal place of employment. Oh? Yes, I have been hired to serve here only for this evening. I see. And who am I indebted to for this invite? That question and all others will be answered in due time. Here we are, through these double doors into the library. The others are inside. Others? Clint! Uh, Clint Morris! <laughs> Why, Judge Thompson! 
I didn't expect to see you here. Neither did I. What brings you here? I received an anonymous invitation, and I came to see what it was all about. Same here. Um, what exactly did your invitation say? I do huh? beg your pardon, gentlemen. Um, might I offer anyone some refreshments? Uh, oh, uh, no thank you. Um, I, I'm fine for the present. Very good. And you, sir? Yes, thank you. I'll have a whiskey. Very good, sir. Anyways, Judge, what were you saying? Well, um, <laughs> to be honest, I can't remember. Uh, that's my age talking. <laughs> I can't remember what we were talking about either. I don't know if it's my age that has my memory in a fog, or that beautiful woman who just came in through the terrace doors. Oh, yes. Uh, that is Senator Duncan. Uh, she stepped out on the terrace to peek at the view as you came in. And, uh, by the way, you are right, Clint. About what? Uh, she is very beautiful. No objections, Your Honor. Um, seeing as we're here this evening on non-judicial matters, uh, why not just call me Gary? Thank you, sir. I will do my best, but I must be honest. I've been calling you Judge or Your Honor for several years. May prove difficult. Well, try anyways. It's more personable that way. You should come see the view, Judge. The sun's going down and it's breathtaking. Uh, perhaps in a minute, my dear. But first, I want to introduce you to someone. Uh, Clint Morris, this is Senator Meredith Duncan. Uh, Miss Duncan, I would like to introduce you to District Attorney Clinton Morris. Uh, just Clint, please. Nice to meet you, Miss Duncan. It's nice to meet you. And please, call me Meredith. Excuse me, your drink, sir. Oh, thank you. May I offer anyone else something to drink? I'm still good, thank you, Jameson. And for the lady? I'm still doing good with my champagne. Thank you. Very good. Excuse me, please. It seems that our last guest has arrived. Another guest? I wonder who it could be. I was wondering the same thing. Well, we'll soon find out. Uh, excuse me, please. I'm going to take the lady's advice and step outside to see the view. <laughs> Don't be too long out there. It's getting chilly. <laughs> All right. Is that... Congressman Olson? It is Congressman Olson. Alan, hello. Well, hello there. Meredith, I wasn't expecting to see you here. You look lovely this evening. Why, thank you, Alan. You're looking rather dapper yourself. Uh, do you two know each other? Not yet. I'm Alan Olson. Nice to meet you. Happy to know you. My name is Clint. Clint Morris. Clint Morris, the attorney. <laughs> the district attorney. <laughs> the very same. This is an honor, Counselor. Uh, say, this almost sounds like the beginning of a joke. A congressman, a senator, and a district attorney are all in the same room. Oh, don't forget about Judge Thompson. Oh, is he here too? Where? Right over here, Congressman. It's uh, good to see you, Alan. What were you doing outside, Judge? I was taking the advice of our lovely senator here and admiring the incredible sunset. By the way, my dear, you are correct. About the view? Well, that and it being exceptionally chilly outside. I'm going to bother Jameson for a glass of brandy to, you know, warm these old bones. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> oh, wait, I'll go with you. My champagne is getting rather low. Well, we can't have that now, can we? So, Mr. Olson, I know you're somewhat new to our city. What do you think so far? Oh, call me Alan. As for the city, it's fine. Yes, fine. I beg your pardon, everyone. I just received a phone call from the host of this evening's gatherings, and he has informed me that he is regretfully running late. Are you finally going to tell us who he is? Yeah. Well, the secrecy. Well, the truth is, I am just as in the dark about his identity as you are. 
I was hired over the phone and given specific instructions to follow. When asked whom my employer was to be, I was told that they wished to remain anonymous for the time being. I suppose your host wishes to divulge himself when they are ready, and I'm sure with reason. In the meantime, he wishes me to welcome you all this evening and to make yourselves at home. There is plenty of drink and food. Having said all that, if you would kindly follow me to the dining room, I will begin serving dinner. Would you care for some more, sir? Oh, my. No, thank you. I am stuffed. Very good, sir. That was a delicious meal, Jameson. I am very glad you liked it, ma'am. I agree. Where did you learn to cook such wonderful food? Well, I was fortunate enough to have a bit of culinary training in my use, sir. A bit? That was the best home-cooked meal I've had in a long time. Very kind of you to say. Now, if everyone is finished, I invite you to return to the library while I clean up. In there, I have placed a tray with hot coffee, tea, brandy, and for those interested, cigars. Please help yourself. I will finish cleaning up and then check in to see how everyone is getting along. joking. Did that really happen? <laughs> Cross my heart. Knowing he was going to be pronounced guilty, he tried to make a getaway. So he thought he could jump through the window, but apparently forgot that there were bars on the other side of the glass. <laughs> Knocked himself clear out. To this day, every time I look at that window in my courtroom, I must refrain from giggling to myself. <laughs> uh, were you in the courtroom when this happened, Clint? Uh, no, I'm afraid this happened before Clint graced our courtroom with his presence. Yeah, that was a bit before my time, but I hope one day that history repeats itself. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Meredith, your glass is looking near empty. Can I get you another drink? Oh, maybe in a few minutes. In fact, will you gentlemen please excuse me while I go to the powder room and freshen up? Of course. Uh, go ahead, my dear. We'll be here. I'm going to excuse myself as well, gentlemen. I think I'll finish my cigar out on the terrace. Oh, it's a good idea. It's a beautiful night outside. Clint, I'm glad I finally have a chance to talk to you alone. You sound serious. What's on your mind? I think as soon as Miss Duncan and Mr. Olson join us again, we should all leave. Leave? Why? Listen, Clint. I've been a judge for a long time and have had to rely on my gut feelings my entire career. Well, my gut is telling me something here isn't right. I'm not sure I follow you. What's this all about? It's just this. We've been here over three hours, and still our host hasn't shown up. And doesn't that seem odd to you? And furthermore, I don't trust that helper of his. Who, Jameson? He seems like a decent enough chap. Maybe, but I've been watching him watching us, and he almost appears to be studying us. Uh, studying us? Yes. On several occasions, I've watched him pull out a notebook from his inside coat pocket and take notes while watching or listening to something someone has said. I'm telling you, he's up to something. Really? I hadn't noticed. And something else. Since we've returned from dinner, I keep seeing him nervously checking the time and then pull out a piece of paper from his pocket and read it. Probably instructions left for him by his employer for specific duties he has to do at certain times. 
Then why would he be so nervous? I'm telling you, Clint, that my gut is telling me we need to leave, and soon. I see. How often has your gut feeling been wrong? Not often. I was afraid of that. I guess the entire circumstances of this evening have been a bit odd. First the mysterious invitation, and then... Uh, and about the invitation, uh, what did yours say? Well, as you know, that I've been assigned to the Robinson case that begins in a couple of weeks. Yes? The invitation, or letter I received, told me that they had some vital information that would help me on this case. So, naturally, I had to come and hear it for myself. Come to think of it, that's why I was so surprised to see you here. I think I knew then that this whole thing was strange, but then the others arrived, and we all began talking, and I somehow lost sight of it all. What about yours? What reason were you given to come here tonight? Well, I was told that one of our public officials may be participating in illegal activity with the mob. They felt I should be made aware of this crooked official's criminal activities and come and see the evidence they had. A crooked public official? Yes, and the public official they were claiming to be crooked was you, Clint. Me? Yes, and of course I didn't believe it for a second, which is why I came out here tonight, to get to the bottom of this rubbish. I don't know what to say, only I swear to you that... Now stop right there. I have known you for many years. You're a darn good lawyer, and you respect the law. I know these allegations are false, if there really are any. Thank you, Gary. So, if we both were given different reasons to come here tonight, then I wonder what the others were told. Stranger still... What's that? What is the real reason we were brought here tonight? Exactly. What's our next move, Counselor? I think we need to have a talk with the others, to see what reasons they were given to come here tonight so, so we can get to the bottom of this. And then... Like you said, Judge, we get out of here. Get out of here as quickly as you can. No, no, please stop struggling. You have to, you have to leave. No, no, wait. Oh, oh no. yourself and, and, and sit here. Uh, take some deep breaths and, and try to relax. That's good. Uh, here, here, drink this. It'll, it'll settle your nerves. There. Better? Yes. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm all right now. Tell us what happened. Well, I, I don't really know. I, I opened the door to leave when out of nowhere Jameson appeared, grabbed hold of me and covered my mouth. <laughs> Somehow I was able to fight my way free and, and get away. What a narrow escape you had. Where is he now? I, I, I don't know. Uh, where are you going, Clint? To find him. Here. 
I'll go with you. Judge, will you stay and watch over Meredith? Oh, yes, of course. Come on, Alan. I don't see him. Neither do I. Here, we'll split up. One of us take the upstairs, and the other stays down here. All right. I'll check upstairs. Be careful. You too. If you see him, yell. Jameson? Are you down here? I just want to talk to you. You're not in any trouble. You just scared Miss Duncan, that's all. No big deal. Just a misunderstanding. Why don't you come out and uh, let's talk it over? Jameson? Any luck? No. I checked all the rooms and there's no one upstairs. Any luck down here? I've only worked this side of the hall so far. Okay. I'll search over here. That's fine. Jameson! We really just want to talk to you. Clint! Alan, where are you? Did you find him? Yes. There. On the floor. Lying there. What happened? I'm not sure. I found him like this. Wait, what are you doing? I'm checking his pulse. <sighs> Nothing. He's dead. I can tell that by looking at him. Look at the expression on his face. Pure terror. Can you tell how he died? Yes. Look. He was strangled to death. The cord is still wrapped around his neck. Then he was murdered. Appears so. I wonder... Why are you looking at me like that? You're the only one down here with him. Are you serious? You actually think I had something to do with this? I don't... I don't know what to think. Only that if it wasn't you, that means there's someone else in this house. Yes, that's correct. Let's get back to the others. Tell them what we found and call the police. I'm afraid it's true. He was strangled to death. But who would want to... Hello? Wait. What? Did you think of something? Well, yes. When he attacked me, he kept Hello? saying that we were all in danger and we needed to leave immediately. Uh, Aaron, uh, did you have any luck reaching the police? No. The phone line is dead. Completely dead. Uh, Clint, a word if you please. Yes? It seems like we misjudged Jameson. He wasn't trying to harm her, he was trying to warn her. And whoever he was warning her from apparently heard him. I agree. You don't think they might still be in the house, do you? I don't know. What do we do now? Yeah. With the phone being dead, there's no way to reach the police. If the murderer is still in the house, we have no way to get help. We need to get out of here, and now. I like that idea. There's a gas station about three miles down the road. There's a phone booth there. Let's all drive there and call the police. Oh, good idea. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's go. One second. Have to get something from my bag.
Now we can leave. Why do you have a gun, Clint? I always carry it with me. Being a lawyer, you never know whose enemies you might be defending. Okay, enough questions. Everyone stays behind Clint. Good idea. Okay, is everyone ready? Stay close together and keep watch. Does everyone know the gas station I was talking about? Yeah. Yes. Okay, good. Everyone get into your car, head out, and drive careful. Hey, wh what about you? I'm coming to you, Judge. I'm just going to wait and keep an eye out until everyone's moving. Okay, let's go. Hey, Meredith, what's going on with your car? I'm not sure. It won't start. I don't understand. I just had my car tuned the other day. Well, let's have a look under your hood. Maybe it's an easy fix. Do you see anything? Yeah. This car isn't driving anywhere. Your motor has been tampered with. You can ride with me. Come on. Here comes Alan. Alan, are you okay? My car won't start. Yours too? Mine won't either. Maybe the judge is having better luck. Here he comes now. Judge, were you able to... What's the matter? You look as if you've seen a ghost. Worse. My car wouldn't start, so I was beginning to get out so I could take a look under the hood. And that's when I noticed this envelope on my passenger seat. I opened it. And there was nothing inside other than this. A black X. Yes, his calling card according to the papers. I have been marked for death by X. Well, what are we going to do? We can't sit here and let the judge be killed. We have to... What's wrong? There. On the dashboard. I, I didn't see it before. An envelope. Let me see. Is it? Yes. Another black X. Alan, where are you going? Check my car. I got one, too. Go on, Clint. Check your car. What's the point? We all know it's not going to start, and that there's also an envelope in there waiting for me. So that's the reason we were all brought here. For whatever reason, he plans on killing us all tonight. What are we going to do? I, I think we should all go back into the house. What? With a dead body and possibly a murderer still inside? It beats staying out here in the dark. And besides, for all we know... He's out here watching us right now. The judge is right. We're safer inside. Everyone stays behind me. Let's go. There. It's locked. What now? Uh, I think we should split into pairs and search the house. That's easy for you to say. You have the gun. You're safe. 
Well, if the stories are true, from what I've heard about this sadistic maniac, the gun can't even stop him. Tell you what, we will all go together upstairs, and then split into twos to search. That way we are all within shouting distance of one another. Everyone agree? Hold on. Here, Judge, you take this fire poker. Meredith, you take this one. Now, at least we all have something to protect ourselves with. Smart thinking. Let's go. We've searched this house from top to bottom, in every room, behind every door, and every crevice. We've locked every window and door, and there's no one in here besides us. If X was in here at some point, he isn't now. Then why don't I feel safe? That's the power of this madman. But I tell you, he isn't in here, so we're safe. Yeah, but for how long? This is a massive house with a ton of windows and doors. We can't keep an eye on all of them all night. Yeah, that's right. In that case, we should... Clint! Jameson! What about him? Remember what I was telling you earlier about him reading something? Telling him about what? Yeah. Why don't you fill us all in, considering we're all in this together? The judge was telling me that Jameson appeared to be watching us this evening, and possibly even taking notes. Notes? On us? Yes. Several times I saw him. Uh, Maybe we should retrieve his notebook and see if that tells us anything. That's a great idea. I'll be right back. Wait. I'm coming with you. Suit yourself. Want me to grab it? Uh, no. I will. Um, where did he say it was? His inside coat pocket. Anything? I got it. Here, let's have a look. Wait a minute. I think we should join the others first. Of course. You're right. Did you find it? It is exactly where you said it was. Well, what does it say? You were right, Judge. He was taking notes on us. Everyone except Meredith, that is. Strange. What do the notes say? Nothing much. It's only bullet points. Under my name it says Congressman. Arrogant, capable, mid-range voice. Under the Judge's name it says wise and experienced. I wonder what all that means. What does it say about Clint? His says, District Attorney. Confident, suspicious, sharp, and familiar. Is that it? Yeah, like I said, it's only bullet points. Not much to go on. What about the other paper you have there? This looks more like a letter. Listen to this. If you're reading this, that means I failed to carry out the instructions that I'm being forced to fulfill and am dead. The circumstances for the situation are strictly strictly karma coming back back to haunt me for the mistakes I made many years ago. 
I have worked as a butler for some of the wealthiest people, but never felt fully rewarded for my efforts. I fell deep into gambling and was often forced to steal from my employers to pay off my heavy debts, but would often have to leave before being discovered. I decided to begin a new life and never look back. For years, I made good to this promise on myself. I relocated far enough away that no one would recognize me. I procured a good job as a butler, made good money, met the love of my life, got married, and had a child. Although ashamed of my past, I felt reborn and forgiven. That is, until the day before yesterday. I arrived home at my usual time, but my wife and child were nowhere to be found. Suddenly, the phone rang, and I was confronted with my past. The mysterious voice on the other end of the phone let me know that they knew who I was, and described in detail all the crimes I had committed in my youth. They proceeded to explain that in two days' time they were going to bring powerful people from the community together, and that they will have been murdered shortly after midnight. Given my criminal past, they chose me to play the role of the butler. My duties were simple. I was to cater to the guests until eleven o'clock, when I was to bring them all together and hand them each an envelope. After that, I was free to leave and return to my regular, everyday life. At first, I thought this was a horrible joke and refused. That is, until they informed me that they had taken my wife and child as collateral until their instructions had been carried out. Fearing for my family's life, I agreed. I fully intended to carry out my duties in an effort to get my family back and hopefully pick up our lives as if this had been nothing more than a bad dream. Then earlier tonight, I overheard one of the guests say something that reminded me of the phone call, and then it occurred to me that maybe one of these guests whom I was serving may be the very monster who took my family. Knowing this is a strong possibility, my plan is to continue to do what I've been told as they are clearly watching my every move, and I must not let them know what I suspect. I will play their game, meanwhile, paying very close attention to each member, hoping for something that will confirm my suspicion. Not sure how, but the moment the I moment figure them I out, figure out I, will wait for my I will wait for my opportunity and then kill them before they have a chance to harm me or the others. Other than writing this confession in the kitchen while preparing dinner, I have kept a very close eye and ear on everyone and now believe that I have figured out who it is. Light! Whoa! Oh, calm down. Lights! Oh, hold on, hold on. What's happening? Oh, 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 the lights! Calm down, calm down. There. Is everyone all right? Uh, yes, I'm fine. Meredith? Uh, I'm all right. Startled. Alan? Alan, what's wrong? The letter is gone. Uh, what? Are you joking? This is no joke, Judge. One of you took it from my hand when the lights went out. Oh, this is insane. Uh, who turned out the lights? I know it wasn't me. Nor I. I didn't turn them out. Well, whoever it was also took the letter. Why would any of us take Jameson's confession? Because it was about to name who Jameson believed to be X. He thinks it's one of us. Exactly. Well, obviously we can't trust each other. Someone indeed did turn off the lights to this room and took the confession from Alan. So what do we do now? Everyone needs to be searched. We must find that letter. Good idea. Let's all empty our pockets. One at a time so everyone can see. No one has it, so now what? I think at this point, the best thing for us to do is to separate. We each take a room upstairs and lock ourselves in until morning. Uh, and in the morning? We'll have to figure that out then. Before we go, let me make one thing very clear. Threat or no threat, I intend to survive this night. If anyone so much as comes near my door, I will not hesitate to shoot him. Or her. Not even for a second.
who is it? Alan, I need to talk to you. All right. I don't want anyone to hear us. Very well. What do you want? I have come for that confession. What? Jameson's confession. Why come to me for it? Because you took it from me after you turned out the light. I did not! Yes, you did! I saw you slowly move over to the lights as I was reading. Not only that, but your bracelet brushed up against my hand when you took it from me. That's ridiculous. Why would I want the confession? I'm not a suspect. Because you thought it was going to mention Clint's name. Why would that matter? I only just met him tonight. It's clear that you are very fond of him, and he is of you. But there has been way too many things tonight that point suspicion his way. I... I don't know what you're talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. He was the only one in the area where Jameson was at the time of his murder. The only one who didn't check his engine or his, or his car for an envelope. Another thing, why did he bring a gun? Well, he told us why. In case an enemy of someone he's defending threatens him. Yeah, maybe. But I'm not buying it, and I know you aren't either. If he was X and has the gun, then why not just shoot us? Why make us lock ourselves in our rooms and wait? It's probably some game he's trying to play with us or need to feel in control. I'm sure you've read the stories about him. No one understands how or why he does what he does. Only that he hasn't failed yet. I just... I don't even want to think that it could be him. Let's find out. Where is it? I won't tell you. You've got to tell me. Don't you want to know for sure? What if it isn't him? We need to know. For our own sakes, if not our sanity. Now, tell me where it is. I... I knew I only had a few seconds to hide it, so... I put it in the vase on the mantel. Good, good. Come on, let's go downstairs and get it. It's a tall vase. Stand on this chair. It'll give you more leverage. Ugh, no! I am touching the bottom of the vase and it isn't in here. Here, let me try. Maybe it's stuck to the side. <laughs> Be my guest. You're right. It's not in here. Are you sure this is where you put it? I'm positive. It's the only vase on the mantel. I practically knocked it over when putting it in. <sighs> That's probably why he insisted we all go upstairs and lock ourselves in the rooms. That way he could sneak down here and search. He must have found it. What are we going to do? I'm not sure. Wait. <laughs> I've got it. Let's talk to the judge and get his thoughts. Great idea. We will have to be quiet. His room is directly across the hall from Clint's. Let's go. Judge. Judge. Are you there? It's Alan and Meredith. Judge! He probably can't hear you. I'll just try the... It's unlocked. Come on. 
Well, he's not in here. Oh, it's freezing. Well, no wonder. The back door to the terrace is open. I'll check outside to see if he's there. You check that room. Judge? Oh, Alan, he's not in here. He isn't outside either. There's a staircase attached leading down to the grounds, but I doubt he'd try to leave in this fog. Oh, Alan, look! On the carpet by your feet, a few tiny drops. It, it looks like... It is. It's blood. Oh, Alan. What happened in here? I don't know, but we need to figure it out. Do you think that Clint... Do you think that Clint what? How long have you been standing there? Not long at all. I heard voices in the hall, so I opened the door to see what was happening, and I saw a light coming from the judge's room. I decided to investigate. Go on, Alan. You were asking if she thought that I... If she thought you might know where the judge could be. How could I? I was in my room. Isn't he here? No, he isn't. We came in to check on him, and the outside door was opened. And there appears to be some blood here on the floor. What? He isn't out there. I already checked. We must go out and look for him. That's exactly what we are going to do. But first... What? What are you looking at? Your shoes look like they have some fresh mud on them. Almost as if you've recently been outside. Of course not. I... Okay. I realized that I never checked to see if my car had been tampered with. So I quietly left my room and made my way outside to check. And? All of our cars are gone. What? It's true. They've all vanished. It seems as X is trying to erase any signs of us being here before he means to eliminate us. How convenient. What's that crack supposed to mean? Why don't you tell me exactly what's on your mind, Alan? Enough, you two! We need to find the judge now! This other petty stuff can wait! You're right. I'm sorry. Me too. I'm gonna grab my weapon from my room, and I'll meet you at the foot of the stairs. I'm taking Meredith back to her room, so I'll be right there. You'll be safe in here. Lock your door, and don't answer it to anyone until we return. Do you think you'll find him? I'm going to search everywhere until I do. Now do as I say, and lock the door. We'll be back soon. I thought you were going to wait downstairs. I figured I'd make sure Meredith was still safe. Well, she is, so let's go. How should we proceed? It's going to be hard to see anything with that fog that just rolled in. I say we split up. We each take a side of the property and search. We'll cover more ground that way and faster. I agree. Shall we meet back here in 15 minutes? Sounds good. Good luck, and if you find him or anyone, yell. Judge! Judge, can you hear me? Blast this fog. Can't see two feet in front of me. Judge! Are you out here? Judge! Wait. What's that noise? Sounds like it's coming over from... I see a light. 
This must be the groundkeeper shit. Judge, are you in there? Judge! Oh no. Alan? Alan! What's that? Clint! Clint! Where are you? Clint! I can't hear you! Clint! Where? What's that noise? Clint! Clint! Are you in there? Judge! Clint! Clint! There. Meredith, it's me. Come in. Did you find him? Where's Alan? Isn't he here? No, he was with you. Did you find the judge? Uh, no. I looked everywhere, but I couldn't find him. Well, he must be somewhere. Is Alan still looking? I'm not sure. We separated, figuring we could find him faster, but during the search, a horrible feeling came over me. So I hurried back to make sure you were all right. Well, I'm all right. What was this feeling you had? That maybe Alan had come back to the house. To kill you. Kill me? Why would he... <gasps> the lights! A fuse must have blown. I'll have to go check. Wait! No! It could be a trap! We can't sit in the dark all night. I'm afraid I'll have to risk it. You can't search for the fuse box in the dark. It's okay. I came across it earlier when we were searching the house. But X might be waiting for us down there. You're staying here, and I'll go. I'll take the back stairs that lead to the kitchen. From there, I can see the entire surrounding area of the door that houses the fuse box. If someone's waiting for me, I should be able to see them. You lock the door, and I'll be right back. I I'm not going to lock the door. I want you to be able to get back in here quickly if something goes wrong. Okay, then here. Take this. Have you ever fired a gun before? Yes. Once. Make sure if you must pull the trigger that you know what you're aiming at. All right. Don't worry. I'll be careful. Warning you. Stop or I'll. <gasps> the lights? Alan! What are you. Hurry. We haven't much time. He'll be back in a few minutes. Your head is bleeding bad. What happened? Uh, never mind that. Uh, we must leave before Clint gets back. Alan, what's this all about? Look! I was searching the grounds when I heard Clint yelling. 
I ran to see where he was, but he stopped calling out, so I so I kept wandering aimlessly in this fog until I, I came to a shed of some sort. Inside, I, I, f- I found the judge. He was dead. Dead? No! I... I began to call out for Clint when when something hit me over the head. I, I fell hard, but didn't lose consciousness, so I just laid there, not moving. He must have believed I was dead. Luckily, he didn't hang around long enough to make sure, and left me there. I waited a minute or so, checked to make sure the coast was clear, and then stumbled back here. I started up the stairs when I heard you two talking, so I went back down and pulled out a few fuses to get him out of the room so I could come and get you. I can't believe the judge is dead. We're going to be soon if we don't get out of here. I only had time to pull a few fuses, so he's, he's probably working on the others right now. How, how are we going to get out of here without being seen? I know. We'll, we'll cut through the judge's room, go out the back door, and down the terrace stairs to the grounds, and run for it. By the time Clint figures out we left, we will be long gone. Will you be able to make it? Oh, that head injury looks bad. Yeah. Uh, I don't have much of a choice. We'll have to try. Alan, are you sure Clint is X? I got a quick glimpse of him before he left me for dead. It's him. <laughs> Why would he give me his gun? Probably to throw you off. I don't know, but what I do know is we have to leave, right? What is it? It's too late. He's coming. I can hear him coming up the stairs. <gasps> You're going to have to shoot him when he walks through the door. Shoot him? No. If you don't, then he will kill us, just like you said. Yes, but kill me? Why don't you shoot him? I don't even know if I could aim straight. I don't think I can. I think... Meredith! Meredith, I was right. It was a fuse, but the strange thing is they weren't blown. Someone pulled them. Meredith? Alan? What happened? Now, Meredith, shoot! (laughs) It's all right now. Um, We're safe. I I shot him. You you had to do it. Clint, I'm. You're shaking bad. Here, give me give me the gun before before it goes off. There. What are we going to do? I killed him. Listen to me. He was a cold-blooded murderer, and he would have killed us for sure. You saved us. Now we can leave safely. Meredith, do you hear me? This this nightmare is over. Where are we going to go? The phone's dead. The cars are all gone. The cars must be around here somewhere. And, and if we don't find them... We'll have to walk to that gas station a few miles away and phone the police. I still can't believe. Come on. Let's go grab your coat and head out. What are you doing? Searching him. For what? The confession letter. When the police come, we can show them proof that he was X all the time. Meredith, uh, I don't think that's necessary. Let's, let's just... Oh, it's not on him! He must have thrown it away, or maybe it's in his bag. Give me your hand and I'll 
help you up so we can look before we leave. Wait. What is it? When you leaned over just now, your jacket opened. I saw the end of a letter sticking out of your inside pocket. Oh, uh, that, that, that's nothing. Uh, it's the invitation I was sent for tonight. Then let me see it. <laughs> Very good. You're right. I have it. I have Jameson's confession. You had it this whole time? Yes. I went down earlier to search and eventually found it. I wasn't fully sure if you had seen it or not, so that's why I came up to your room and confronted you about taking it from me. I had to find out what you knew, if anything. Only after talking with you did I know you hadn't read the rest of it. But why? Why didn't you just tell me you had it? Well, because it mentions my name in the letter. I can't have this floating around with the police or anyone to find. <laughs> can, can you imagine the scandal? You! I'm not taking the fall for this. And seeing as you killed Clint, I feel confident that you'll keep on being smart and forget this whole night ever happened. Understand what I'm saying? You tricked me! Convinced me to shoot Clint because he suspected you! You'll have a hard time proving that, my dear. I can see the headlines, Senator Murders District Attorney in Cold Blood. <laughs> I can hear the paper boy yelling it in the streets right now. I don't care. I will accept whatever punishment I deserve for my crime, but so help me. I am going to tell the police everything and make sure you pay for what you've done. I'm sorry to hear that. But I'm afraid you won't. In fact, you leave me no choice. Alan! No! I'm sorry, my dear. As I said, I'm not taking the fall for this. Now, let's see. I'll just put this gun down here for a moment and change the way this all looks. Let's move your body over here. There we go. Now, Clint needs to be a little more over this way. Here, we'll, we'll make it look like a murder-suicide. Ah, there. Now, to wipe off my fingerprints from the gun and place it in your hand and the... Wait, the... the, the gun? W where did it... You! How are you still... I'm so sorry to bother you so late, but we are conducting a search of all the houses in the vicinity. Did any kind of party take place here tonight? No? Oh, I see. Well, thanks just the same. Sorry again for the late night visit. 
1203. Right on schedule. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I forgot we have to document every address and point of contact for our records. Can I get your name? Just the first name will do. Yeah. <clears throat> My name? It's Jameson. You have just been listening to After Midnight, written, produced, and directed by Matthew P. Warner. Featured in the cast were Seamus C. Smith as District Attorney Clinton Morris, Annie DiMartino as Senator Meredith Duncan, Ryan Duke as Congressman Alan Olson, and Matthew Warner as Jameson and Judge Gary Thompson. Additional voices performed by Logan Bradford, Josephine Cessna, Marsha Warner, and Dennis Warner. All recording and editing of After Midnight was engineered by Audio Imagination 77. All sound effects were performed by the cast with sound effects recording, mic operator, and technical support by Gabe DiMartino. This has been an Audio Imagination 77 production. We are in the holiday season. A time for giving and a time for getting. And a time for reflection. What meant a lot to you in 2020? What kept you sane and entertained? What gave you hope? If this show helped get you through this year, please remember, we are an independent show. We have no corporate backing, no home radio station that is urging us on. We do this for you. We show up for you. If you love the show and have the means, send in a financial gift today. There are links in the show notes. And give your friends and family the gift of the show as well, just by telling them about it. It's as easy as sending a text. Thank you so much, happy holidays, and we'll talk to you next week.